This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, welcome to our show this week, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vo Eschanan. Also, this Shabbos is known more colloquially as Shabbos Nachamu, named after the Haftarah, which begins with the words Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. It also, tomorrow's date is the 15th day of Chodesh Av, colloquially known as Tuba Av, a very special day. In the Jewish, in the Jewish calendar, the Gemara gives several reasons why, in fact, Tuba Av is such a special day. One of the reasons is, in fact, the Gemara says that there was no Yom Tov in all of the Jewish year, like Yom Kippur and and to and to Bob. So the Gemara says, help you understand Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day where where we can get a clean slate and 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 be charged again to to start the next the next year. That makes good sense. That's a really special day. What's so special about Tubav? So the Gemara gives several answers. One answer is that it was the day when the the uh, says the girls used to go out in borrowed dresses so that everyone would would look the same. No one would be dressed in very fancy clothes. The poor people would borrow from the rich people, etc., etc. And they would go out to the vineyards and, and they would dance. Dance, circle, and they would they would uh, 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 sing and tell the boys that when you look for a marriage partner, don't look only at beauty. Look at the yichus. Look at the the character of the person that that you're that you're yet you're marrying. So there's this concept of of the dancing in in a circle. The Gemara actually later on says that lost lovely <clears throat> in the time of Mashiach, Kadosh Baruch was going to sit in the middle of a circle, and all the tzaddikim <clears throat> are going to dance around him. And, and point that Kaddish Baruch Hu says, Zayayim Asa Hashem, this is the day that Kaddish Baruch Hu made Nagilov in Nismachaboy. Let us rejoice and let us be happy on, on, on this, on this, uh, on this day. And, uh, again, what, what is this concept of, of dancing and particularly this Jewish thing of dancing in a circle? You know, in, in other places, they don't. Uh, you go to, um, Radio City Music Hall, I don't know if it still exists even, and you watch the Rockettes dance, and they stand in a straight line, they kick, whatever they do, whatever they do there. But uh, by Yin, we always dance in a circle. And the morale explains, the concept of a circle is that the circle has no beginning and no end. Everyone in the circle is, comp- is totally equidistant from the midpoint, the, they're all on the same radius. And Vakarish Baruch is the center. We're all dancing around. We're all equal. None of us are special. We're all wearing the same clothes. Yes, we may come from different stations in life, but in front of Vakarish Baruch we're all we're all we're all equal. What does that have to do with with Tubav? So there's an incredible Shlakarish. Shlakarish brings the Gemara. The Gemara says that when David Melch wrote the chapter 145 of Ashrei, so there's a letter missing. The letter Nun is not there because that Pasuk speaks about Nefila, about 
the falling and the failing of the Jewish of the Jewish nation. And David Melch didn't want to include that. However, immediately subsequent to that, he had the pasuk of Seimech Hashem Lecholan Hashem supports. Hashem looks after all those who have who have fallen. Hashem is there to pick us up. Hashem is there to embrace us. Hashem is there to to bring us back. And of course, Tishabov is the day of the greatest fall. We lost our basement. We lost everything. We're sitting on the ground, bereft of it all. Comes along Hakadosh Baruch Hu and picks us up. Hashem Hashem supports us. When does Hashem do it? Says Eshla on two ba'av, and he says perhaps the word av means aleph bays. What is two? What is the fifteenth letter of the aleph bays? I'll, I'll save you the trouble of it. It's a samach. The samach is the fifteenth letter. So it's on that day of two ba'av that Hashem picks us up. And Hashem puts us back in the circle. And again we dance around that Kodesh Baruch And we reaffirm our, our relationship, our marriage, our closeness to Hashem. doesn't matter how far we've fallen. Hashem still considers us equal before Him. And we still have the opportunity to always come back. Nachamu, nachamu ami. There's a double comfort. Not only does Hashem rescue us and pick us up off the floor, but He hugs us. And he brings us back and he embraces us and he restores us to our proper place in the circle directly around him. This is 11.9 Chai FM Soul for Soul. We'll be back in a moment with lots, lots. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul, back on your radio here in Johannesburg. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas, Bo Eschanan, Shabbos, Nachamu. Tomorrow is also Tubav, an amazing, amazing Shabbos. And this Parsha is so full of highlights. I mean, we have the second uh, version of the Yaseris Adibris. And we have Shema Yisrael, the first Parsha of Shema in this week's Parsha. So let's spend a second on that. Because one of the important things that it talks about in the second Pasha Shema, is Vishinantam Levanecha. You must teach, you must teach Torah, you must teach all the fundamentals of Shema Yisrael, of belief, of trust, of reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to our, to our children. And Rashi comments that children is not an exclusive category. It applies likewise to one's students or anyone that one has an influence over, anyone who falls under your general sphere of influence, since the Torah considers students to be like children. And we have a responsibility to reach out and teach or see to it that every child is taught Yisaitis of Torah and and Emuna. Right? If you don't have enough time and you have to decide between teaching your own children or someone else's children, so the halacha is your own children take precedence. 
Rav Yechezkel Sano, who was Rosh Shiva of, of Hebron, and one of the premier, uh, 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 sort of, uh, uh, you know, protégés of the kind of Slobodka approach to godless Adam, the greatness of man, was an incredible example of a Rosh Hashiva, a Rebbe, to whom his Talmidim, his students, were like children. Indeed, uh, he actually wondered, and, and, and you know, in, in connection with the Rashi we just quoted, if students are included in, in the injunction of teaching Torah, why did the Torah not simply write? Vishinantem letamudelcha. You must teach to your students. So he explains that the Torah is actually referring to the attitudes that should prevail in, in the loving relationship between a Rebbe and a Talmud. And that it should actually be no different than the relationship between a father and, and his son. And the, the truth is, the, of course, <laughs> the student's attitude must then be reciprocal, like a son to his father, right? One doesn't go without the other, right? If, 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 if you, if you think it does, then something isn't, isn't right. There was an incident that actually occurred in the yeshiva in which one of the bachrim Unfortunately, became, came, became stricken with a bout of, of, of mental, of mental illness. He became quite ill to the point that the Rosh Hashiva decided that he had no recourse, but he had to have him admitted to a, a, a medical facility that specialized in, in treating mental, mental illness. Two of the older Talmidim, who had distinguished themselves both in their learning and in their relationship with the Rosh Hashiva. And, and this is actually why they felt they could uh, do what they did and, and talk so freely with the Rosh Hashiva and express their feelings, decided to ask Rav Sana how he could do such such a thing. They probably felt that the, the student maybe wouldn't receive the proper kind of care and that by being sent away, he was actually like being neglected or being, or being abandoned. So the two students decided to, to present their feelings to, to the Rosh Hashiva. So they knocked on his door and as soon as he opened it, they asked, Rebbe, how does one send a bocher? From the yeshiva away. If that Bachar was the Rosh Hashiva's son, would our Rebbe have acted likewise? Would the Rosh Hashiva have sent his own son to such a facility? It, it was obvious that uh, these two Bachram were kind of, I don't know, infused more with a little bit of uh of 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 a, of a chutzpah, of a, of a kind of a temerity, than than with with seichel, and it was clear that Rosh Shiva would have to respond in a in a strong 
and very decisive manner. Rav Meir Chodesh, the Mashkiach of Chevron, who happened to be sitting with Rav Sana at the same time, uh, wisely decided that it was time to be uh, time for him to go, and, and he he took his he took his leave. Rav Sana looked at the two Bachram and asked him, "Did you eat breakfast?" The two young men looked at each other, and then turned back to Roshim and said, "Yes, we did." And then he asked them, "Tell me, uh, did you sleep well last night?" Rav Sana asked, and once again. They replied in the affirmative, not quite knowing where Rav Sana was going with this line of, of question. She says to them, I did not sleep last night, or the night before, or the night before. I also have been unable to eat for days. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know what is troubling me? What is it that is preventing me from eating or sleeping? It's the current situation of your father, of your colleague. He is my son. After all, he's a student in the yeshiva. As such, he is my son. Therefore, the anxiety and worry that I, I harbor concerning his present condition permits me neither to eat nor to sleep. And he says to them, says, on the contrary, since you came with the directive almost that I treat him as a son, then by extension, if he is my son, he is your brother. How are you able to eat and sleep knowing that your brother is so ill. Furthermore, as brothers, are you prepared to step forward and take responsibility for him? Will you take him into your flat and care for him and feed him and see that he sleeps and receives the emotional help and support that that he needs so badly. Rashiva's stinging words broke through their kind of smug exterior. Of course he was right. They were as responsible as brothers as the Rosh Hashiva was as a father. They assumed the responsibility and within a few months he actually emerged from his deep, his deep depression. Rosh Hashiva had taught them that the Vanecha, who are your children, Eloahatamidim, these are the children, means that just as a Torah student, is the Rebbe's son. Everyone else in the class is, is his brother. Everyone in Kagiso is our brother. We have responsibilities. Even if you can't do anything to care, to feel, to feel their pain, 
to feel whatever it is they're going through, that is an imperative of being part of the family. 11.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a minute with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 1.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, on your radio here in Janusburg. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, Vo Eschanan Shabbos Nachmu, which also kind of doubles up as being the 15th day of Av, <coughs> a very special day in the Jewish, in the Jewish calendar. Well, and, uh, but let's talk a little bit about our Pasha and the very beginning of our Pasha. Our Pasha begins actually with Moshe Abenu. Begging and davening numerous tzuras that our Kodesh Baruch Hu should abrogate the terrible decree that was made against him and to allow him to go into Eretz Yisrael. At the end of the, at the end of the day, our Kodesh Baruch Hu did not accept his, uh, his request. Why not? Because the Gemara in Saita, Daf Yuvdal, it says, in the name of Rav Smiloy, how come it was that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted even so much to go into Eretz Yisrael? Did Moshe really want to go to Eretz Yisrael so he can have falafel or shawarma? Right? Does he, does he need that, that, is that what he needed? They need us to eat the fruit of Eretz Yisrael? Says Moshe Rabbeinu, there are many, many mitzvahs that Christ over commanded and they can only be fulfilled in the land of Israel. Please let me go into Eretz Yisrael so that I should be able to fulfill the mitzvahs of Trumos and Maitras and Korbanus and, and Shemitah that's, that's, uh, that's coming up. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh-uh, sorry. All you want is to do mitzvahs and get, and get schar? Don't worry. I'm going to consider it as if you already did all the mitzvahs. And you'll get reward as if you did all the mitzvahs. So it comes out that a person has a real strong urge and desire to go to Eretz Yisrael. So it's in, in Shemayim is considered it as if you already went to Eretz Yisrael and fulfilled all of all of the mitzvahs. Now, this baby we can understand. The story that happened with a certain non-Jew who wanted to eat from the Karben Pesach. And Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, with his great wisdom, saved the Jews that they shouldn't feed him uh, any, any part of the Karben Pesach. The story goes as follows. It's Gemara in Sochim, Daf Gimel Amud Beis. There was a certain non-Jew who was uh, used to every year go and eat the Karm Pesach in Yerushalayim. <clears throat> so uh, they said to him, anyone, any non-Jew, anyone who doesn't have a bris milah, is not, is not allowed to eat it. But I, every year, I eat from the, the best part of the, of the Karm Pesach. So that's what he told, he boasted to Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, that every year, even though it says Jews, uh, non-Jews must eat, I get to eat from the Karim Pesach. 
Now, just as an aside, just to give you an idea of how great Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra actually is, so it's brought in the in the Tiferes Shlema that everyone knows that every year on Rosh Chodesh Sivan and on the night of Shavuos, everyone sees a pillar of fire over his grave going all the way from the ground all the way up to Shemaim. And anyone who sees it is amazed, is amazed by it. So, Rabbi Yudah says to this guy, Oh, you've gotten the best part, now you didn't. Did they ever give you from the tail of the Karm Pesach? He said to him, no. So he says, you go ask them. So next year, when he went over there to the Karm Pesach, so he said to them, give me some of the tail. So, you know, Rashi actually says, Halitani, give me, give me some of that, some of that tail stuff. You'll give me the whole tail. I said to him, what? The halacha is that the tail of the carbon Pesach actually gets burnt on the Mizbeach. So he said to him, who told you to ask for the tail? So he said, it was Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseda. So he said, oh, what's going on here? They checked into his background and they found that in fact he was not, not uh, Jewish. And, and they, and they, they did what they had to do to, to him. Now, the Minchaskinuch says the reason they did that to him was because he stole, he violated the prohibition of theft because this is a carbon and a carbon, even though it's Kachub Kalim, it's, it's the, it's, it's not the highest degree of carbon, but it is a carbon. And once it's been shelted, it belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the owners of the Korban are, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's guests to eat off his table. But that only, only Jews are invited to partake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's food. But someone who's not, is not, uh, is not invited. And therefore, this non-Jew who ate the Korban Pesach, was so to speak stealing from Hakadosh Baruch, and uh, we know that uh, there's a severe punishment for non-Jews for 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 theft, as the Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daf Nun Vav says, and and therefore they did him what they needed to do to 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 him. Now, the the interesting the the, the Masham gives. Another, another answer based on what Toysvis brings in Bob Metziah that a non-Jew is also included in the prohibition of Aina, of overcharging, just like they're included in the prohibition of theft. And, uh, and again, once they're warned, they're already subject to capital, uh, to capital punishment. So they sent, the Gemara concludes, they sent back a message to Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra, right? Shalom Lecha, Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra, greetings to you, because you are in Nitzivin, but your trap is spread all the way to Yerushalayim. And the question comes up, almost rise by itself. 
How come <coughs> Rabbi Yudaben Biser himself didn't go to, to Eretz Yisrael and, and to the base of Mikdash? And uh, why does he have to, uh, why does he, why didn't he go himself and tell them about what this non-Jew is doing? Why do you have to cleverly think of a way of entrapping him? So, perhaps the answer we can give is we know that uh, there's a well-known Misa uh, with Avchayim Kanievsky, Shlita, that uh, there was once the uh, a, a Jew came to him looking like a religious Jew and uh, Avchayim Kanievsky didn't want to give him a bracha because he somehow intuitively understood that this person wasn't Jewish. And uh, how did he, how did he, uh, 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 eventually came out that he had gone through a non-halachic uh, conversion. And when Chaim was asked, how did he know? So he answered very simply that he could feel his, his tumor. Now, here we have this non-Jew goes up to the base of Mikdash, eats the carbon Pesach. What those Kayanim couldn't feel the fact that this was something strange, that this was not your ordinary uh, uh, Yid coming to bring the carbon Pesach. It must be that the Kayanim themselves weren't on such a high, on such a high uh, level. And because they themselves weren't acting so appropriately, that caused that the Shekhinah was not manifest in its full glory in, in the Besamekdash at that time. Therefore, Rabbi Yudab didn't want to go to such a, a Besamekdash that wasn't uh, operating, so to speak, on full cylinders, full of the, the Shekhinah of HaKadosh Baruch. Now, Taisus brings there in, in, uh, in Psachim, that Rabbi Yudah who himself, why didn't he go Eulerega? Why wasn't he in Yerushalayim himself for the Karim Pesach? So perhaps you could answer, maybe either he didn't own property, and someone who doesn't own property in Israel is not obligated to go up for the Regal, or maybe he was very elderly and he couldn't go on his foot up to Yerushalayim, which in which case he's also exempt from the Korban Pesach as he is from the mitzvah of appearing in the Beis HaMikdash on the Regal. Or maybe uh, the Plutalma he was in, Nitzivan, maybe that is actually outside of of, uh, of Eretz Yisrael. However, at the end of the day, after all is said and done, the question still really remains. You know, Ali the Regal is more than just a mitzvah. The Pasuk in Shirashirim says, Mayofu pa'amayich bano'olim basnadiv. How beautiful are your footsteps in shoes, basnadiv, you daughter of you generous one. And the Gemara says that this is referring to Klaiso, who would make the effort to, to go to Yushalayim in spite of all the difficulty. And the Gemara says, Bas Nediv, who's Nediv? Nediv was the daughter of Avram Avinu. It's just like Avram Avinu was Moise Nefesh to bring 
people under the wings of the Shekhinah, to bring people close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so too there was this tremendous desire amongst Klai Yisrael to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by going up to the Aril Regal. We see that even after the Beis Mikdash was destroyed, people still went up to David in, 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 in Yerushalayim. So what, maybe we can have a little bit of a, a, a deeper understanding of Rabbi Yudim Ebesera. So it's an amazing story that there was uh, one time in, in Bnei Brak, there was a robbery in, in, in a barbershop. And the, the, the thief penetrated into the shop and broke open all the drawers and everything and took all the, all the, uh, you know, the equipment he had, he had there and all the money, which was thousands of, of, uh, of shkolem and Kimati didn't leave anything behind, but almost there was one thing that everyone was amazed he did not take, even though that it was visible to anybody. It was in one of the drawers in the, in the, in the, uh, in the barbershop where they had stolen everything else. And what I'm talking about, there was an envelope that contained thousands of dollars that had, there, there had been a collection for a certain, uh, a very, very needy, uh, uh, family. And somehow that was not taken. And the barber said, when I came in, in, in the morning into the barber, you know, into the shop and I saw the terrible, terrible, uh, uh, mess that it was, was. So kind of my heart skipped a few, a few beats. And, and the main thing I was worried about was about that very, very precious envelope. And when I saw that it was still there, yeah, I, I, it was a tremendous simple because I had been so worried. This wasn't my money that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, would have been, would have been taken. And a few months passed since the Geneva. This is still the, the, the barber talking. And, uh, one day I was, uh, standing in, in Shul and uh, someone, uh, sort of taps my back and I turn around and I see a yid. Religious looking Jew with a beard and, and pious and looks like someone who's a really God fearing person. And he says to me, says, do you know who I am? Yes. So the barber says, no, I don't think I've ever, I've ever seen you. So the man says, I'm the Ganav that uh, visited your, your, your barbershop and, and stole all your money and all your, all your equipment. And from that time, I've, I managed already to do a full and complete, uh, a tshuva. And I want to tell you that the cause of my tshuva was actually the, 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 the theft that I did in your barbershop. And what happened was as follows. Like any good criminal, a few days after the crime, I wanted to go back to the, the scene of the crime and, and just hear like, uh, how you're doing and, and what are you telling all the customers and, and, you know, how, how are you interpreting it? 
So I sat in, in the queue, like, like everyone else. And what I heard there while I was waiting went straight in, into my heart because, um, and, and I'm talking about the, 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 the envelope because every single one of your customers who sat on that barber chair heard from you this entire story as if it was first time you're telling it. And when it was my turn to get a haircut, I also, you told me the whole story about, about this envelope from beginning to end. And the main story was that in, in spite of the fact that this kind of came in and took everything and there wasn't a single drawer he didn't open, he did not find this envelope which contained thousands of dollars for, for stuck. And you told this to everyone that this drawer, he was actually in that drawer. And, and, and the envelope was there, it was, it was in his front of his eyes. And in spite of that, Samoa HaKadosh Baruch Hu hid it from, from, uh, from it. And you, you told this again and again. And that these, that, that these thousands of dollars were, were set aside for its stock. And what you wanted everyone to grasp was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu guarded over the money of Tzedaka with the greatest kind of kind of protection. So, what really got to me, not only was the incredible Haskoch that somehow I had missed this envelope, but that it didn't bother you even about all the money you had lost, all the equipment you had lost. All you were talking about was that envelope. And since I heard the, the story full, full hand, first hand, I, I, I was amazed. And, and that began my process of arousal to, if I could, allowed me to break into the, into the, into the, uh, barbershop and take everything. But somehow this envelope he hid from me, that is a clear sign that there is such a concept as Ashkocha Protis. In, in the world, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and uh, eventually, I had no choice. I had to come and do, and do tshuva. And I'm here to ask you for forgiveness and tell you that I, I'd like you to make a, a exact, uh, a kind of a cheshman of exactly what I took, and I will pay everything back to the lost, to the lost cent. So perhaps with this, we can understand Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, why he didn't go in, 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 to, to the regal, cause he lived in, in, uh, in, in, in Nitzivan. You know, um, so the, the, we know, everyone knows about the, the vision of the dry bones, vision that was sown to Yechezkel. We saw a, a, a whole valley full of dry bones and he was able to, 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 uh, to record, to resurrect. Uh, uh, them and and this was a marshal to about Klaisol and the Golis, even though they were dried up, they were so far from Hashem, they would once again uh, get vitality. And the Gemara Sanhedrin uh, uh, asks, "What? What was it? What happened to these people that they should all die? And why were they davka zeicher to tchias hamesim still in this world?" So one of the opinions were. That these were the descendants, these were the, uh, 
the tribe of Ephraim, who had miscalculated when Hashem told Avram it was going to be in exile for 400 years. So they started counting from right then, even though they were supposed to only have started counting from 30 years later when Yitzchak was born. And therefore they reached the end of the Golas, as far as they were concerned, 30 years before everyone else. Did. And they left. They left Egypt and they were on their way to Israel and they were attacked and, uh, and, and, and killed on the, on the, on the roads. And it's, it's well known that Rabbi Yudhub stood up and said that I am a descendant of, of, uh, of the, of those people who were killed, that, that, uh, that Yecheskel revived. And these are the Tfilin that my great grandfather gave me from, from there. And, and the Mabit says that Tzadikim who left their homes and died on the way to Eretz Yisrael, they're not going to need to go through tunnels by Tchias Amesim to get to Eretz Yisrael because they, they, it's considered as if they're already in Eretz Yisrael. And it brings the proof from those uh, uh, Bnei Ephraim who were uh, uh, resurrected in a place called Bikashdura, which was in Chutzlaretz. How could they have Tchias Amesim in Chutzlaretz? Because since they were going to Eretz Yisrael, therefore, they, they, it was considered as if they were already, as if they were already there and they had fulfilled all the mitzvahs like Moshe And perhaps if Yudhavim Seir was one of their descendants, he didn't even need to go to Eretz Yisrael, it was already considered as if he had fulfilled all, all, all the mitzvahs. It's a possibility. Anyway, we'll be back in a moment with some very interesting laws of Shabbos. This is 1.1.9 Chai FM, soul to soul. I am the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio here. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas, Bo'es Hanan, which, as we know, is called Shabbos Nachamu, and also tomorrow is the date of the 15th day of Av, a very special day in the... Jewish calendar, as we already uh, discussed, and as we always do at this time on the show, to give you the important times and details you might need to know for this Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles, we're going to call it 4.30, it's actually 4.29 and 58 seconds, we'll call it 4.30 is the earliest, <coughs> the earliest time, and as I'm always doing, encouraging you to get get started as long as, again, unfortunately, the Shabbos uh, shuls are still closed. We hope that within days, certainly weeks, we'll be opening again. But this week, since the shuls are closed, then you don't need to wait for a minion. You can just, at, at 4.30, you can already start and daven and get stuck into a very nice, hopefully nice warm meal because I believe the Shabbos is going to be quite... Uh, 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 frigid in terms of temperatures. So let's keep it warm inside and outside. Some warm food, some warm tyra, some warm zamiras. And that should keep us nice and, and toasty. The latest time for benching licht today is 19 minutes past five. Five nineteen is the latest 
time for lighting lighting uh, Shabbos Licht. Please try to get it up earlier than than that. Ashkia then is at 5.37. 5.37 is already sunset. So if you want to daven Marev Bismana, you want to daven Marev and not have to repeat the Krishma, you can wait till 5 to 6. That's already 18 minutes after after the, the Shkia and you'll be able to daven, say Krishma and then be able to sit down to your, your Shabbos, your Shabbos repast. Tomorrow morning is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Vaischanan, a fantastic, busy, uh, dramatic, uh, Pasha. We have again the Aseris Adibris for the second time. We have the first Pasha of, uh, of, uh, of Shema. We have Moshe Ben yearning to go to, to, uh, Eretz and so, so, so much more that, uh, is, is, is worthy of, of note and worthy of, of study. Of course, the Haftar, as we mentioned, is the first of the seven special Haftaris that fill the weeks between Tishabov and Rosh Hashanah. And this week, of course, the title is Nachamu Nachamu Ami, which gives the Shabbos its, uh, its name. It's also, uh, Tu Ba'av, and therefore, we will not say Avorachamim uh, by Shachris, nor will we say Tzedek by by Minchan, account of the fact that it's a non-Tachanun, a non-Tachanun uh, day. Perkeiavus, uh, we resume Perkeiavus after our one-week break. Last week we'll be saying Perik Gimel uh, uh, this week of of Perkeiavus, and Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six eleven eleven minutes. Past six is the end of, uh, of, of Shabbos. And, uh, without being dramatic, we begin our, our count up already towards Rosh Hashanah and, and the Yom Naroim, which is less now than seven weeks, uh, uh, away. We are dealing with the laws of Shabbos. We are talking about the times for Shabbos. And we spoke in our last time we discussed the Shabbos. About the concept of <clears throat> that, although of course Shabbos is a is, is is dependent on the day and therefore really starts at night, but since the period of between sunset and night is doubtful whether that is day or night, so certainly we have to start Shabbos before then. We then uh, additionally said that there is a special obligation to add on. To the, the, to there's such a close connection between the end of the week and Shabbos to add on and steal a few minutes on the time that is actually still Friday <coughs> and add it onto, add it onto the, uh, the, the, the Shabbos. Now, the question is, okay, so I want to do that. I want to start my Shabbos early. How do I do it? How do I start? How do I accept? That additional time so that I can pragmatically and, 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 and realistically actually make it part of my, my Shabbos. So best thing, best way to do it is like by most things, by actually making a verbal utterance, a verbal declaration. For instance, to say, I am accepting upon myself the Kedusha of Shabbos, the holiness of, of Shabbos. There's some say, and you don't even need to say anything. The very fact that one thinks that I want to accept the Shabbos, even without articulating anything, you can already 
accept upon yourself the additional moments, minutes of, of, of Shabbos. Now, once you have done that, once you have accepted upon yourself, either verbally or, or by thought, accept upon yourself the Kedusha Shabbos, so then, that means as far as you are concerned, it is Shabbos, and one must then be careful not to involve oneself in any of the forbidden activities of uh, of Shabbos, right? As as uh, as uh, we 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 learned that the meaning of women is to accept the Shabbos at the time when they bench lich, when they light their Shabbos candles. That for them is the moment of their acceptance of Shabbos, because then. They make, they make a bracha and they announce, Lahadlik Ner Shel Shabbos. We're lighting the candles of Shabbos. And since they mention the Shabbos in the bracha, clearly their intention is to accept upon themselves the Shabbos. And, and, uh, and by doing that, they fulfill this mitzvah of, of adding time onto the, onto the Shabbos. Now, According to most of the Paiskim, a, a woman, uh, who wants to or needs to could actually make a, a condition, either a verbal condition or again, even a mental condition that she does not want to accept the Shabbos by her lighting a candles, but she actually has to articulate that the, 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 the status quo situation is that she does accept Shabbos when she lights the candles. If she wants to change that and wants and needs, to, let's say, to still do some forbidden malach on Shabbos after she lights candles, then she has to specifically intend that she's not accepting Shabbos by her lighting, and then it will be it will be permitted for her to do whatever malachas or to to travel wherever to shul or, or wherever she needs to go after she's lit her, her candles. But certainly, lechatchile in the first instance, it's better that she should, and, and that's a normal situation, that she does and should accept the Shabbos at the time when she's lighting her, her candles. Because there are some of the Paiskim who have the opinion that making condition at that point actually doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't help. And once a woman has done the actual act of lighting her candles, automatically she has accepted the Shabbos and she would not be allowed afterwards to do any kind of, any kind of, of, uh, of malacha. And, and sort of even beyond that, that if she doesn't accept Shabbos at the time when she actually lights her candles, so then we worry, one second, what is she going to do afterwards to accept upon herself this additional moments of Shabbos? Usually we do it at, at candle lighting, and it comes sort of naturally as part of the process. If she's not accepting Shabbos then, and she may still need to do malacha, okay, but she still has an obligation to fulfill the mitzvah of adding on time from week that is Shabbos. When is she actually going to remember to to do that? So that becomes a, an issue and a concern uh, uh, in terms of whether really she should be making conditions when she likes candles 
to to do melacha uh, off afterwards. Now, by men, the custom is to accept the Shabbos as part of our davening when we're davening when we say uh, usually boy chala boy chala, or if you're davening nosos far boy Shabbos malkasa. When uh, when we say that, that already we're welcoming the 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 Shabbos in that sort of stanza of the of the uh, of the lechadoidi. Um, however, even that the reality is in many many shuls. I'm talking about when there is shul, they don't manage to sing lechadoidi before uh, before sunset, and therefore if you're accepting Shabbos. <laughs> uh, after sunset, you're not accepting Shabbos. Shabbos already has come all by itself without you doing a thing. By the time Shkia has come, and you've now lost out. If you're only accepting Shabbos after Shkia, you've you've now lost out on 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 Tosefer Shabbos, on accepting Shabbos and adding on from time before Shkia to to uh, to, to to Shabbos, and therefore, in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Of adding on to Shabbos, so it's a good idea that the, the if it's going to get late, that maybe the Gaba should announce in Shul after Mincha Bayichala. Right? Please remember to accept upon yourself the kedusha of Shabbos, and then all of them will accept the Shabbos on on the on that self. And even with even without the Gaba announcing it, every person in his own mind and his own little place should actually say to himself, right, I'm accepting upon myself the the, the Kedusha of Shabbos at this moment before before Shia. We'll be back with some very closing comments in a minute or two. This is 11.9 Chai FM Sol to Solon, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 1.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here. Just a few more minutes till we run away and get our own Shabbos preparations ready on the Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas for Hanan on what's promising to be a very cold Shabbos outside. But let's make it a beautiful, warm Shabbos inside. So we're saying that if you're not going to be able to accept Shabbos uh, by saying, before Shkia, then one must do it oneself, even to the extent where, let's say, you're really running late. And uh, by the time they finish Mincha, it's already going to be after Shkia, then each person should, even during Chazot Shat, say quietly himself, I'm accepting upon myself the midst of the Sefer Shabbos, so that you can fulfill that very holy, that very holy uh, 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 mitzvah. Now, from the time that a person has accepted himself uh, uh, Shabbos, so then we cannot do any of those things that are forbidden from the Torah to be done on Shabbos. And even those things that are only rabbinically forbidden, you're not allowed to do them at that time. The only difference is that if once you've accepted Shabbos, but it's not yet night, there's something that needs to be done for a mitzvah purpose, or something that needs to be done for Shabbos, or some other important need. So 
at that point, you'd be allowed to uh, 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 do things that, if they're only prohibited by the Chachamim during the time of Sefer Shabbos, and there's no other way of doing it, you'd be allowed to do it, because in such a situation, Chachamim did not want to make their prohibitions take effect in such a situation. Let's say, for example, if someone forgot, in, let's say in Israel, you say in the Mishnah, if someone forgot to take a, a tithe, it's Trumas and Maitras, from the food he wants to eat on on uh, on Shabbos. So you're allowed to take the tithes, even though you already accepted upon yourself the Kedusha Shabbos. Because taking tithes from fruit on Shabbos is a, is a rabbinic, uh, prohibition only. And therefore, you're allowed to, you're allowed to do it, obviously, before Shkia, before Shabbos is actually started. If someone accepts upon himself extra Shabbos, so you could ask another Jew who has not accepted Shabbos yet, that he can do malacha, malacha for you. Generally speaking, women, as we said, have the minig to accept the Shabbos before men do, because the women do it when they light, when they light uh, candles and they accept Shabbos on them when, when the, when the time for candle lighting that's printed in the, in the calendars reaches and they light the candles. And the men, as we said, still got a shul to daven, uh, a mincha, and only afterwards do they accept Shabbos. So therefore, if a woman has lit candles and accepted Shabbos, and then she realizes there's something that needs to be done, turn down this or turn on that, so she would be allowed to ask her husband that he should do the malacha for her that she herself could not could not do. Turn on a light or or you know, organize stuff on the on the plot or something. Same thing with Mother Shabbos. If someone has not yet ended Shabbos, but it's after the time you could, one could ask someone who already ended Shabbos to do Malacha for him. And on that note, we're going to call it a week. Thank you so so much for participating. Thank you so much for being part of our radio family. We really, really appreciate any comments or suggestions you might make. But in the meantime, let me just wish you a beautiful, beautiful, warm, good Shabbos, a Shabbos Nachmu, a wonderful Tuba Av, and Bez Hashem, may HaKadosh Baruch Hero out fill us, and bring us all Simchas, Yeshuas, and Nechamas, and a good, warm Shabbos to all, to all of you.